Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 187. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today I am bringing you what I found to be a fascinating conversation with Dr. Helena Vissing. Dr. Vissing is a licensed psychologist practicing in West Los Angeles, specializing in early development, maternal mental health, and trauma. She's an adjunct faculty at Antioch University and the Chicago School of Professional Psychology who teaches child and adolescent development, treatment of children and adolescents, and play therapy classes. She's also faculty on the training committee of the nonprofit Maternal Mental Health Now, where she trains providers working with families in maternal mental health. She has experience working as a school psychologist and play therapist in her home country of Denmark before she relocated to Los Angeles. She has a private practice in Westwood where she provides trauma-informed psychotherapy for adults and children She's trained in psychodynamic and somatic approaches and also certified in interpersonal therapy. And she's enrolled in the Somatic Experiencing three-year training program. Dr. Vissing has published articles and book chapters on maternal mental health and the psychology of motherhood. And she also runs a group for perinatal anxiety and depression at the nonprofit counseling center, Well Baby Center. Helena and I were talking about a somatic approach to maternal mental health. She's the first person I've heard talking about this, and I thought our conversation was super interesting. So listen in and see what you think. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. 
by making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I am ecstatic to be having a conversation with someone as I sit here in a thunderstorm on the East Coast who is on the West Coast in sunny California talking to us. You can hear birds chirping. My guest today is Dr. Helena Vissing. Helena, thanks so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited because we've been talking about your work and your interest in somatic practice and women, maternal mental health. So this is something that I really haven't heard anybody talking about, and I'm so excited to have a discussion with you about it here. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited too. I'm really excited to be connecting the, the field and the community of maternal mental health with the, our field of trauma treatment, somatic work, and, and mental health. Absolutely, because I think one of the hard things about, you know, the way they're separate is that it doesn't like trauma work and maternal mental health. They're not really in the same like pool. And so but obviously there's so much overlap between the two. There is. And and I mean, in the field of maternal mental health, it's becoming more and more clear. There is more and more focus on this, more and more acknowledgement that any work in maternal mental health needs to incorporate a focus on trauma because trauma is a big factor. It's a big component in it. You know, maternal mental health is not just looking at postpartum depression and then just treating that. Uh, maternal mental health is much, much more than that. And trauma plays a big, big role in that. Yes. So before we even dig into that, let's just start off by you telling our audience a bit more about yourself and your work. Yeah. I am a licensed psychologist. I'm practicing in Los Angeles. I also teach at Antioch University. I teach child and adolescent development and treatment of children. So that was, that's one of the first things I, I got passionate about is working with kids and, and developmental psychology. I am from Denmark originally. I did my master's in Denmark, and I wanted to just work with kids. And I, I was my first job. I was a, as a school psychologist and I trained in play therapy and, and I still love that. And then when I relocated to Los Angeles in 2010, I discovered this field of maternal mental health. And it really helped me bring in that, that missing piece because you can't talk about child development without, without also talking about the parents and, and what's going on for parents, parental development. And I also, you know, went through the the process myself personally of becoming a parent, right? So now I, I work in both. I work with maternal mental health and then also with with child development and working with, with children. And you are currently in training in the somatic experiencing program, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's very timely that right now, uh, today, I'm, I'm actually on my lunch break. Uh, I'm in the uh, in my module for, uh, I'm in the second year uh, of the three-year program in somatic experiencing here in, in Dana Point. So it's, it's really timely to be calling in from, from this training. So yeah, as I'm, you know, this training, I feel like it was so necessary to get more training in trauma treatment and somatic trauma treatment when you're working with, with new moms. 
So, you know, it's, it's really amazing to see how, how it informs the work with moms to, to get more trauma training in, in this way. And, you know, any mental health professional, you just expand whatever you're working with when you add on somatic work. Yes. And of course, somatic work can be used with any population of clients. And as you said, everything needs to be trauma informed because there are few people, if any, who ever go seeking mental health treatment who don't have any history of trauma or attachment wounds. I mean, doesn't seem that that exists so far in the world, but maybe I'm wrong. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think in some ways trauma is a, some, it's a bit of a limiting term because especially when you work with new moms and, and babies, we have to think of trauma, not just, you know, it's, it's so much more. It's also what is disrupting that really special, fragile attachment building. And like, what are, what are the stressors? Like trauma is also, you know, going through those early years and having too much stress. That's a kind of a trauma in itself or it's traumatic. Right? Mm-hmm. Birth can be traumatic, even when everything goes exactly According to plan. Mm, definitely. There's definitely something about where birth, birth can be traumatic. Also, the whole parental transition can be traumatic in itself, also because it can be such a trigger of previous trauma and also a trigger of just the fundamental challenges of life, you know, our vulnerability. We have to uh, become very vulnerable, get in touch with our vulnerability in order to be parents, right? So in itself, uh, maybe traumatic is not always the right term, but it brings us in touch with those really vulnerable parts of ourselves, right? That's why also we have to think of trauma in the broadest sense of the word. Exactly. So let's just start off with the question of how does somatic work and trauma fit into your practice of maternal mental health? Yeah, so I, in my studies on the, the different psychological theories and, and research on that, that more emotional mental development of uh, or process of becoming a mother, uh, the topic of maternal ambivalence is, is big, right? That's something we, we uh, need to, to look at and, and understand. And then what happened is I, I, I found out like we need to also concretize it and find out what does that mean on the somatic concrete level. So, but before I get to that, I just want to talk about maternal ambivalence as that emotional phenomenon it is, right? And how we can deepen our understanding of that because most people recognize like ambivalence as part of life, right? That's a very, that's, that's intuitive. We, we all know that. Um, and a lot of people also recognize how that, that ambivalence comes up when you're a parent, you love your child so much and you can feel ambivalent because it can be very hard to be a parent. And, and you're, you know, this is not just for children, it's for all relationships, right? Those that we love the most sometimes really push our buttons, make us frustrated. That's kind of at the core of the human experience, right? Very so, much so. And, and you're caring for someone and you may feel the need to be cared for as well. And how do you balance 
you know, having to do the care for the child and receiving the care that you need as well as a mom. I mean, this is something that I have, it seems to be a universal struggle for moms and, and in parenting. Oh, yes. I think, I think it's very universal. And, and it's not just like maternal ambivalence, you know, just the, you know, you both, you can both love and hate your child or you both have positive and negative feelings uh, towards your child. It's, it's the ambivalences, plural, right? About everything, about being a mom, your new role as a mom. You know, you can both love and hate it. It's the, you know, it's, you love that someone is depending on you and sometimes you hate it. You, you love, the new amazing capacities of your mother body, your ability to, you know, give birth, produce milk, and you hate what it's, what it's doing to you. So it's, it's so that that polarity is so intense, right? That, that, that the ambivalence there. Yeah. And I'm glad you talked about that because I know you said it's intuitive, but at the same time, it's not the mother archetype. It's like, we're supposed to be, a beautiful and sexy woman and then become a mother and be maternal and only focused on the child. And, you know, it's it. Our culture doesn't necessarily say, oh, sure, of course, all moms are ambivalent about, you know, this new role. It's more like what you yeah. you need to be you got to be a perfect mom. And that means do these things and be this way. Yeah, I I also think there, there's still a lot of that idealization going on, uh, a lot of that. And then sometimes I, I see we, we do have a little more acknowledgement of maternal ambivalence and how, how hard it is. But, you know, I, I think there's still more work to be done because one thing is that it's, you know, to recognize it. But another thing is, can we really fully appreciate it as a society in the conversations? Can we... Can we appreciate it as not just something that is like a nuisance, we just have to deal with it, we just have to accept it, learn to live with it, but, but really appreciate that on a deeper psychological level, ambivalence has an important function because it makes us think and feel what's going on in a relationship, whether it's with our newborn or for any human relationship. So in some ways you can say that ambivalence is fuel for any attachment building. We, we need it to, to, to strengthen and make that, that bond intensive. Because if there's a person where there's, you don't really have a lot of ambivalence, you're very neutral, that is, that's not going to be a relationship that's very um, strong, right? Hmm. Yeah. So keep going about how the ambivalence fits into this mother identity. Yeah. So roughly speaking, we can, we can talk about how maternal ambivalence can be more in the tolerable realm, right? It's, it's more tolerable and then it can go all the way to becoming intolerable, right? So the tolerable version is where we, we can talk about it. Maybe we can joke about it. That's, you know, humor is often a very positive coping mechanism, right? We can make jokes about it in that way. But then when it's intolerable ambivalence, it's usually something where we can't talk about it because there's, there's overwhelm. It's just too overwhelming and it's, it becomes dangerous. It feels dangerous. It feels like the negative feelings 
are going to be too much and the positive feelings are not going to be able to outweigh the negative, right? So that's when the ambivalence becomes an issue, right? Where we, we feel overwhelmed by the negative. Like I, I love my child so much, but the amount of negative feelings I experience from the frustrations are just so much so that those negative feelings feel like they threaten those positive feelings. That yes. There. Yes. I definitely see that. So we can connect this to that somatic level. Like what does that, what does this look like concretely, physically? And that is when we get into states of frustration, dysregulation, overwhelm, pain, whatever it is, right? And the more positive the love is when we get into those states of being settled, calmed, uh, you know, and in polyvagal theory, we call it the ventral vagal states, right? Where we can really calm each other. We have social engagement, connection. And these are the natural waves of our nervous system, right? That's, that's, we're wired for this. We go through these waves. We get activated. We have negative affect. We then have some discharge, release, and then we settle. Like this is what we're wired to do. It's our biology. Yeah. Little neuroscience uh, background there. And definitely, I'm just thinking, I know I said this before we started recording. I I have an associate who does maternal mental health and she loves somatic work and polyvagal theory. I know she is just going to eat this up. I'm like, Mm. (laughs) I'm so eager. I wish she could be talking with you with me because she would be just so happy to hear what you're talking about. It is good stuff. It's really, it's really exciting. I think, I think because this, this is something that's so important. It's, it's our foundation, right? It's, it's our foundation of our attachment, our relationship. It's about the core of, of who we are as humans. And I think it, it, it does excite us in that way because we, in some ways, it's also intuitive, right? This stuff. It's, it's, an, it's, it's a, it's a, the most, primary building blocks of of our our of our lives yeah what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co therapist We've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. I'm thinking about how the mother's state and the baby's state 
you know, the co-regulation. So that is absolutely somatic work. But yet I haven't heard a lot of talk about how how to work with that in therapy and how to even conceptualize the the work mm. somatically. So, I mean, just to rump, jump right into the concrete work, one of the things I do in my work with moms is I look for any opportunity to focus on those positive, settling, calming states. So, you know, when you're working with with a mom, especially if she's bringing in her baby, and it's going to be natural. If you're working with new moms, they bring in babies, and sometimes babies are crying, and, you know, a mother, she's going to be reacting to it, soothing the baby, like you said, the the co-regulation going on. And then whenever there's a time, the mother and baby settling, and whether it's just a tiny little, like maybe it was just five minutes out of that whole session, whenever that comes up, I really jump in and and do everything I can to help the mother really drop into that and feel that and notice that. So like if she's sitting there, maybe she fed her baby, maybe the baby kind of dozed off on her shoulder or something. I'll ask about how does that feel? How are you noticing this? Like, can you feel this state right now? How does it feel to be holding your baby like that or like you're just like gently patting the back of your baby and that feels good right that that's just like when you burp a baby it feels good on the hand like their little backs you know and just I work with them to really notice the sensations of that and really feel into the state of pleasure and enjoyment because because that's a really important part of it. Caregiving is a physical activity. It's physical, it's, it's bodily, and we need to connect to the pleasurable aspects of that, right? And that's something that first often is hard for us to pay attention to. And the, when we feel the unpleasant uh, sensations of caregiving, right, we feel that clearly because that's often very intense. So it's, it's about bringing in the positive to balance it out. So to really help a mom drop into that, like I'll tell, like, I'll ask her, like, now you're sitting with your baby there. Can you, can we stay with that for a moment and really feel into the sensations? Yeah. So it's like experientially noticing what's happening for them somatically in the session right there so that they can identify that state as one that feels pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and acknowledge it. And, you know, some moms, they might feel like if they really allow themselves to go in the, into that, sometimes it can even trigger guilt or anxiety. It can, it can make them feel like, is this okay? Am I, is it okay for me to just really relax? And, and a lot of moms will also be able to really to enjoy it. And, you know, maybe they had a really day and they sit and maybe they breastfeed or they just snuggle with their baby and then they they can really enjoy that but but you want to you want to help them really really connect to those states because the 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 goal is not to always be in the state right that's unrealistic Absolutely. that's not how not how possible. we are yeah 
Yeah. And, and some moms, they feel like they, they should be almost always in that state. You know, some moms feel like I should always be regulated. I should always be calm. And or some moms might feel like, oh, but I should I should almost always be calm and I, I shouldn't be dysregulated. If I'm if I'm dysregulated, I should only be it should only be very rarely. And I think that's that's not realistic, especially not if you're uh, as a mom, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you had postpartum depression, anxiety, if you had trauma, um, of course, you're going to have periods of dysregulation. And. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're a bad mother. It means that you, you know, should get extra support and help to, to, to go through that, to, to help yourself get better regulated, right? Yeah. So instead of saying, I shouldn't feel anything but blissful all the time, and I'm wrong if I feel another way, if I'm in distress, if I'm dysregulated, I, I'm wrong and just striving to try to be in that, you know, relaxed, calm, attached state all the time. It's knowing that no one can do that all the time, but it's okay to seek help to be able to become more regulated because, you know, you deserve that and that will help your baby. Yeah, exactly. It's both for you and for the baby, any support for that. And we need that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, your baby needs you to get regulated, right? You don't expect your baby to just regulate on their own, but it's, it, that also goes for you. You need support and help, whether it's, you know, your, your family member, partner, therapist, any professional help, your own practices of self-care, body work, yoga, any form of that, like external resourcing, right? We, we can't just be, you know, self-sufficient in all of that um, all the time. Developmentally, we, we need other nervous systems to regulate our own nervous systems, right? And, and that's also what resilience in a way is. It's this ability to shift from our states of dysregulation back to regulation. So back and forth and back and forth, right? And the more freely we can move back and forth from this, the more resilient we are. So, you know, sometimes we can talk with with new parents about this and do some psychoeducation around how if if they are going through their activation of something, they get overwhelmed, dysregulated, and then they move back to regulation and calm themselves down. That is in itself a very important modeling, a very important form of modeling where they're showing, you know, their child. And this is purely nonverbal, right? You show your child like, oh, we had, we went to the mall. It was really intense. And we went to the playground and we got really upset and overwhelmed. It was too hot. Now we're coming back home. Now we're, we're in the couch now. Let's just sit here and feel how we are calming our bodies down, right? It's, it's such an important modeling. I love that. And it's also, you know, the the big message that you shared that just as babies and children need us to co-regulate, we need other humans to co-regulate as well. You know, we don't have to be this perfect being, always calm and, you know, 
nurturing and, you know, that's just an impossible expectation. So understanding that we all as humans need connection. And as moms, when we're responsible for taking care of babies, we also need someone to help us co-regulate. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're not, we're not meant to just be completely alone in caregiving and parenting. I mean, we're, we're social group animals, right? We were meant to be in, you know, groups helping each other in that way. We really need each other in that. Yes. Another thing I also like to talk about for like psychoeducation with new parents is to normalize how, you know, when we become parents, it's kind of like a nervous system upgrade. And I, I say upgrade because I want to, I try to frame it in the positive, right? Because sometimes parents feel like it's not an upgrade. It's more like, it's more like a, a total collapse or they feel like their nervous systems is totally all over the place or uh, whacked, right? Um, yeah, like but, I was but, doing fine until yeah, I became a parent yeah. and now I'm a mess. I don't know what went wrong. And I can't sleep and I get yeah. so frustrated and I get so anxious I get or I get depressed and I'm just on the couch. I can't get up, whatever it is, right? So I try to say, well, it's the, your nervous system like got a total re, remodeling and expansion and upgrade. And it takes time to reintegrate this upgrade, right? It's like everything in your nervous system, everything you knew about yourself, how you were, you know, because we, we rely on what we know about ourselves and our bodies, our nervous system, our preferences and our rhythms. And all of that is like thrown up into the air and you have to kind of pick, pick back up, pick up the pieces and put them together again. So from a strength perspective, you know, we can talk about how parent the transition to parenthood is really a unique opportunity to get to know yourself better, to get to know your body better, to get to know your nervous system better. It's, it's an intense process, but if we can hold on to that hope and do it with, with the people we work with, we can, we can open up to that positive experience of saying, you know, this is an opportunity for you to, to really heal and, and grow and, and get to know yourself in a new way in this new, new normal, new situation of, of being a parent. Yes. It's just, it's like, it's a transformational life experience. You are okay. not the same as you were. It's uh, it's like, it, it's a, it's a transformation on all levels. I remember when, when I became a parent, I had this image, like the first days uh, after giving birth, I had this weird image come up in my head that I felt like I had walked through a big door and that door had slammed behind me, like really slammed so much that it kind of vibrated. And I, almost, I, I actually physically felt those vibrations of this door that had slammed behind me. And it was like such a shock. And that's, that's, I think it's a natural part of that transition. It is such a, a shock in a way. Um, and for some, especially if the parents, the, the moms have trauma, that shock can be very overwhelming and can, can trigger more trauma responses. And that's, you know, that's really, 
that's really concerning. And that's where you, you really need extra support and you know, professional help for healing. And it's also possible to work through that so that it, you can really, you know, we can really talk about post-traumatic growth, I think. I agree. And I, I talk to people who have, let's say they had childhood trauma and then they went to therapy and later became parents and everything, every understanding feels different. And they're saying, you know, I guess I didn't really do therapy right before. And it's like, no, it's not that. It's that you've changed. And this experience of becoming a parent, it changes you. You understand things in a different way. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it's such a transformation. And uh, things are very different in that way. And it's not that you, you know, did it wrong or something. It was just you were at a different stage in your life. And this right. is just a very unique new new stage. Uh, and it's like, you, you, I think a lot of people recognize and, and acknowledge like caring for a newborn is very intense, you know, and caring for a newborn is going to feel a bit like fumbling in the dark. That's something a lot of parents will talk about openly like, whoa, yeah, the first months, like you're just trying to figure out what does this little person need? And at the same time, you're kind of also fumbling in the dark to get to know the new you and the new body, right? And and this new parent body, you know, for moms uh, and also for fathers, like because, of course, fathers, their, their bodies are um, very much impacted in different ways or any partner, any partner around the, the caregiving of a newborn, their bodies are going to be really impacted by taking care of uh, of a newborn and it's it's often some really intense stuff that comes up and i think especially when you're giving birth there's a lot of very intense bodily functions that can bring up that ambivalence we talked about earlier right so that you can have you know all the extreme like going from one extreme of like feeling like the most intense pleasure of the letdown and you're you know when the milk comes in and the pr- pride of like my body created another human being. It's, it can feels like you can almost get high from that. It's amazing. And then all the way to, you know, maybe you had traumatic experiences. The birth was traumatic. The changes that maybe things happen to your, your body. And maybe those are things that, you know, there are taboos surrounding shame. Um, I think there's a lot of shaming and taboo still about the the body changes of uh, pregnancy. You know, we want to talk about the sweet and beautiful stuff. And then we don't want to talk so much openly about, well, what about those really scary things? Yeah. So, so that's also, you know, that again, that brings up this shift between, you know, can we, can we get to a place where we can shift from the, the negative, the overwhelming, the stressful feelings, and then shift into that positive, the settling, and and how are we moving back and forth? And and another thing, and I'm sure you also you know have experienced this in your work, like how have you experienced how sometimes people working through this, like just the shift in itself, can be really stressful, even if it's a shift towards becoming more settled. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like this feeling is so different 
I don't understand what's happening and it doesn't really feel safe because I've never felt this way in my body before or not that I can remember. Yeah. Or for if you really have like trauma, complex trauma, going into a state of relaxation is is unfamiliar and it's going to feel unsafe because being in a state of trauma is like always being alert. Don't relax. Don't let down your guard. That's going to be dangerous, right? Absolutely. It's like something, something's wrong. I don't feel I'm not sensing for danger right now. So I might not be safe because I'm not, my guard's down. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, of course we, in, in a lot of clinical interventions, a lot of great tools, clinical tools, like psychotherapy, we, we talk about this a lot on kind of the mental level. We, like in CBT, we talk about the, the thoughts, the, the negative thoughts. How can you shift them? And, and, and we do a lot of that narration of the story and talking about it. But it's just becoming more and more clear to me that that work needs to be connected on a physical, somatic level. It needs to be connected to what is going on in the here and now in your body, in your nervous system. Can you kind of talk just a little bit in the time we have left about sort of, you know, some of the ways that therapists can conceptualize their work using a somatic approach with maternal mental health? Yes. So I think one of the basics and pretty much like all of the somatic approaches is that we need to start with the slowing down. Mm -hmm. We need to slow down everything for a number of reasons. We need to slow down so we can track what's happening. Because often when we get into overwhelmed stress or trauma or tr- some trigger activation, we it just it's just happening like a uh, it's just like a, a, a snowball effect, and we completely lose track of what's going on, and then it just overwhelms us. So, a lot of the work needs to start with a slowing down, which can can be sometimes a bit frustrating if if especially if someone is very anxious and, you know, overwhelmed, then they feel like staying activated is a way for them to feel a sense of control. So we want to work on really practicing any slowing down. And we got to take, you know, baby steps in the beginning. In the beginning, maybe we're just slowing down a tiny bit. And then with time, more and more and more slowing down. So, you know, slowing down in terms of like tracking, of, of narrating and tracking the sensations in the body without, without judgment, without evaluating it, you know, whatever it is, just, just tracking and noticing sensations, I think is, is so important and can be done in, you know, it can be incorporated in so many different modalities. And it also often helps, especially when they're babies, because it, it, for a lot of babies and infants, just slowing down everything helps them. It just helps them also kind of catch up with what's happening, whatever's going on for them. Yeah, because their little immature nervous systems are very aroused, you know? Totally, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they don't have that capacity to regulate themselves. So when you slow down, it helps them slow down and that feels better. Yeah, yeah. So when there's, you know, when you're working with a parent and, and helping them slow down, it's also something where you are strengthening them and empowering them in their uh, parenting abilities, right? And and that's also, I think, really important is to talk about this and frame it in this strength-based approach. 
So like we don't talk about how, oh, your, your nervous system is, is totally overwhelmed and you need to get this, these tools, this treatment so you can be fixed. It's, that's, that can, you know, that's, that's a more of a pathologizing perspective. Mm-hmm. We, we want to talk about how you have the capacities for self-regulation. You have your natural innate capacities. Your body, your nervous system has all the abilities. You're just needing support and help to access it, right? Yep, exactly. And, and often, you know, you want to look for it. Like you, when they sit and they talk about really overwhelmed or stressed or depressed, something, and then we look for any opening about them describing something where they were actually using their capacities for self-regulation and you and we point it out and we maybe if they're able to recall it as they're talking about it so oh you have such a stressful day and then you were just sitting down and in the couch and you were crying and you didn't answer the phone when when someone called you okay so just what does that talk just telling me that what does that feel like in your body you were just sitting there and choosing not to answer the phone What's the sensation there? Because it's, those are often some of those self-protective responses that, that we need to connect more to because that's where we, we connect to our, um, you know, to feeling empowered in our self-regulation. Yes. And I love how you were talking about not just being positive and disregarding their expression of something that feels negative to them or unpleasant. But you're also you're you're right there with them with that. And you're noticing when they can, you know, access something that's more regulating something that's more those innate capacities, as you mentioned, and then let them feel that in the session and connect with that inner resilience. Yeah. And then any any uh, movement or grounding that can help them um, be, stay present, right? So it's, it's all about getting back into that optimal window. So, you know, whether someone, they go off on like high activation, super high, or maybe they kind of check out through the, like they, it's a, the shutdown or checking out, maybe even dissociating, you know, those are kind of the two extremes. And we're always working to bring you back into the present. And that's where one of those things with you can actually do it directly with the infant and baby right there, have them reconnect to that sensation of being with their child with their baby. And if they're not coming in with their baby, it can also be something related to like, just thinking about the baby, you know, they had a moment earlier the day or the day before, and have them reconnect to that. And, And talking about the how it's also pleasurable because I think it's, it's kind of inherent in parenting that we feel like we're not supposed to focus on our own pleasure when we're doing the caregiving. We're supposed to take care of the other person's need. But in order to take care of their needs, we need to also be able to take joy in that. So really focusing on like the, that both should be there. It's not one or the other. They, they're not in conflict. For some people that really have suffered uh, horrible trauma or maybe mental illness, they can get to a place where they experience it as that it's an opposition, that there's only room for one of us kind of, that mm-hmm. kind of state, right? 
that's really you know painful for those that, people that are in those states. So that's that's always very very serious. But a lot of people will be able to to reconnect to those positive sensations with the baby, either directly with the baby or thinking about bringing it up in their in their mind. Yeah, and you know if if we can't see anything but the negative. It's, it's okay to feel that, but at the same time, that isn't, that's not actually reality that everything is all one way. There's, there's always more than one thing happening. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like the ambivalence, right? We, we, those we love the most, we sometimes hate the most and, you know, we, we can love taking care of a child and it's so frustrating. It's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be both. And, and that intensity in itself is often what's hard, right? It's things that we don't really have a lot of those uh, opposing feeling towards. We, we don't really care about those things in life, right? They become neutral. They're not, they don't matter so much to us. <laughs> exactly. So what would be some goals that therapists can have in their work for helping maternal mental health clients be more connected somatically? Yeah, so I with goal setting, I think it's important that we always distinguish between the short term and the long term. I think it really helps to conceptualize it when we're talking about the goals with, with clients. And short term, we're always talking about stabilizing, grounding, all the uh, sources of support, all the resources, you know, helping a person identify get clarity, like these are my sources of support, and then work on expanding them and just becoming more aware of them. And then slowly, we can start to experiment with reducing the the triggers or the stressors, and then increasing those things that help with the relaxation and regulation and settling. So I and I say experiment, because I think it's important in the beginning that you just take it slow. And that you don't overburden yourself. You don't feel like, oh, I have to, I have to get this all this fixed at once. Like this, this takes time. This is like a process that could take weeks. For some people, it takes months. Where you're just slowly building up, you know, good habits around. Okay, these are the triggers. How can we reduce? These are the uh, resources. How can we increase? And then just slowly building up those. On, on that, right? And then the long-term goal of this is that it's going to turn into consistent habits of solid self-regulation, that it's, it's going to become a habit where you don't even think about it anymore. Like in the beginning, it's like, oh, I had to really focus on, okay, I'm going to do one yoga class a week, or I'm going to do one, one time a week I sit down and journal or meditate or what it is. And then at a certain point, it just becomes habit and you just show up for it because it, it becomes a natural thing to do, right? That's the long-term goal. And for that, we, we also have to, becoming parents, we always have to adjust our expectations. I, I have to say, I, I think for most of the people I've ever met and worked with, I think we naturally have a tendency to underestimate how intense it actually is. We, we naturally will think that we can continue our normal mm-hmm. rhythms and activities and, oh, I'm going to do, be doing this. And of course, we're going to go to that, that family event or, oh, we go to the county fair, I go to the mall, and then I go to the playground. I, I mean, that's a normal thing to do in one day. And, 
And we just always have to adjust this energy budget. It's, it's kind of like with money, you know, a lot of people tend to like, you think you, you know, you underestimate how, how much money you have compared to like how all the expenses you, you have or things you would like to spend money on, right? It's, it's just a thing about budgeting. It's, it's always going to be challenging. So that's also a long-term goal, I think, of working through that and uh, budgeting uh, adjustment of your of your energy. We just we ju- we're just not going to have the same amount of energy when we're taking care of kids. Very true. That's what I was thinking when you were saying like it can't be, but so fast. I was thinking, well, yeah, because you are taking care of a baby, and they're you know they're changing through all these developmental stages as you're taking care of them, and you know just when you master one aspect, <laughs> it changes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's always changing, which can be really frustrating and overwhelming. And suddenly you, then there's the growth spurt or the tea thing or something that yes. comes into it or the, the potty training and you're thrown off. And like, you know, I thought I had this figured out. <laughs> yes. And then it all gets, you know, shifted. But also get, bringing it back to ambivalence, we also have to remember that that is usually also what what makes it amazing to be a parent and to be a caretaker is that you see this person grow and develop and you're seeing them thriving. And that's what, I mean, I want to say pretty much every parent in the world, like that's what we want, right? We want to see our children grow and develop and thrive, right? That's the most, that's, that's really that parental pleasure. And so even though it's frustrating when they're going through all their developmental stuff, it's ultimately also that which makes us, us happy. Yep. And there again is that's the non-duality, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Helena, I am so grateful that you were willing to be my guest on Therapy Chat and that you are doing this, taking this work in this direction and... Is there somewhere that people can find out more about what you're doing? Do you blog about it or anything like that? Yeah, I uh, have a website. It's called allthingsmaternal.blog, which is, um, you know, a website where I also have some information about my, my publications and my activities and things like that and my information about my practice and stuff like that. So allthingsmaternal.blog. Wonderful. And um, would you like to just quickly before we wrap up, tantalize our audience by telling them what big project you have going on? Yes. So I am writing a book about this. I'm able to take the summer off from teaching and I will just really have time to focus on bringing all of this into a book uh, on maternal healing, which is going to be this integration of somatic work and psychodynamic and um, uh, other uh, modalities of uh, therapy that I'll be integrating into a, like a full treatment model for this work. Wonderful. I cannot wait until that is ready. But in the meantime, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it's really a pleasure to get to talk with, uh, with you about this. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Dr. Helena Vissing. I was fascinated by her somatic perspective on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders or maternal mental health, and think this is a very important way forward in that work. What did you think? 
please feel free to go to my website, therapychatpodcast.com and send me a message using SpeakPipe. I'd love to hear from you. I always love hearing your voices and finding out what you have to say. Until next time, thanks again for listening to Therapy Chat. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, Supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, therapy chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com 